0: Off The Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off The Ball. News Talk 106 to 108. Right now, I want to bring you a chat we had with the former Donegal All-Ireland winning manager, Jim McGuinness. He's in his first soccer head coach role, preparing for the start of the season with Charlotte Independence in the USL. He joined himself and Kevin on the line earlier this week. You can watch the full interview on youtube.com forward slash off the ball or get the podcast at off the I asked and I started by asking him how he's settling into life in North Carolina.
1: It's, it's been great so far. Um, we just moved last Thursday uh, with the whole family here right. and um, are starting to get settled into the environment and um, and hoping to make strides in the football side of things as well over the next couple of weeks as we move towards the start of pre-season on the 4th of February.
0: I'd say they're fun conversations from Scotland to China to Charlotte at home.
1: Very much so. And, and the, the baby, he's um, he's just uh, two and he was in the back of the car today and he wandered out of the, the baby seat and he says, I want out. <laughs> and we we're saying that was at least one couple of words that he got from Scotland anyway when he was then to spend his time over. <laughs> so it was funny. Um, whatever um, whatever accent he'll have in a couple of years from now.
0: Yeah, it's great that they can all go and I guess it's such an important part of an experience like this that the family are with you and they settle and they enjoy it because you're going to spend a good chunk of your life away from work as well. That You need a good, happy lifestyle so that you can actually work to your best.
1: No, you, you certainly do. You certainly do, and um, you know. I suppose I was in Celtic maybe four years before the family moved across, and then they were only there. Uh, uh, I was only there for a short period of time when I went to China, and um, and so you know when you don't have them, then you do really miss them, and you, you you know and obviously, like for all of us, li- life is very very fast right now, and uh, and um, and and moves very quickly, and so having your your kids around you every day it's really important, and. You know, it's, it's sometimes football can be very busy as well, and it's hard to, you know, get your days off. And um, and when you do, you've got to make sure that you make the most of them and, uh, and appreciate them with your family for sure.
0: I see you were formally welcomed to the United States by His Excellency Daniel Mulhall, the Irish Ambassador to the United States. Does that raise a few eyebrows around Charlotte when they're bringing over a coach who's you know worked at Roger Smith, who's worked at Celtic, and they're thinking we're getting a new fresh voice, and and then there's this legendary status that they didn't realise was there.
1: I don't know about that, but uh, no, it was was great. He's a a lovely, lovely man and and his wife, Gretz, as well. Lovely people and uh, very outgoing and very, very sport-orientated as well. Big Waterford United fan, Hurland fan and sort of spoke a lot about sport. And there was a luncheon, actually, for the Irish community. And uh, they're they're trying to do a lot of work here in terms of um, raising awareness for maybe like an Irish cultural centre. And that was one of the reasons why they were working hard to get him down to Charlotte. And then thankfully he, he came across to the club as well and spent a couple of hours with us. So it was it was great to have them and to host them. And um, and hopefully it of a, a good relationship w- with them and the people in Charlotte here in terms of trying to achieve their goals.
0: It is your first senior management job in football. And what do you do on day one when you go into a a new club in a new country? What do you do day one on the job? What, what are your f- first intentions?
1: Uh it's a good question really because you know, once there's there's interest from the club and, you know, um you think that something could happen with the club, obviously it, it really kicks into overdrive then. That is day one in many respects, you know, and the first thing is to start, you know, getting an idea about the team and where they're at and the players that are available and um and uh how they would fit in terms of your own philosophy towards the game and, and sort of looking to build the roster from there and so uh, I've seen a lot of the team before I ever even arrived in, in Charlotte and um have been working closely with the, the general manager, Mike Jeffries, um, to try and get players in now. Um this is a really busy time um in the season because you've got sort of players potentially from, from, from Europe and around the world, but a lot of the players will come via MLS um, and players maybe that are in MLS that are maybe not getting game time, that want to drop down on loan. And, and so there's a lot of moving parts at the moment. You've got the, the draft that just happened last Friday. Uh, and then players from that will be they'll be drafted by MLS teams. Not all of them will then retain their contract by the time preseason uh, finishes. So, so mm. there's um, there's different parts to it, it's not I suppose as clean cut as the as the windows at home mm. uh, in terms of you know that that 30 31 days to make to make things happen um, and the players are coming from a lot of different sources as well. So it's just trying to get a grip on that really in many respects and sort of. Um, work closely with the general manager, look at your targets and your management team and try and work out it to the best of your ability, you know, who could be a good fit. And then obviously budgetary constraints and all that type of thing. And and um, and just um, and try and formulate a group of people that um, not just, um, you know, can do it for me, but want to do it and have the, the mindset and the mentality to, to be part of something for a few years. So that's, that's really what's been happening over the last couple of weeks. And we're sort of, we're in the middle of that right now. Once I finish the phone call here, I'll be going over to the office, and Mike's there waiting, and we're going to pick up the conversation we had yesterday as well in terms of uh, targets and players and stuff.
0: Yeah. So, so the Charlotte Independence, for anyone who doesn't know, they play in the Eastern Conference of the United Soccer League. Finished eleventh last season. It, it's a full-time professional league, Jim.
1: Full-time professional yeah. league, yeah. The rebrand is now the USL uh, US Championship. I like, think that makes it clear for most people, you know, around the world in terms of the championship and the Premier League structure. And so, uh, yeah, it's the second tier, it's it's professional league, and you've got the both conferences. The top eight teams uh, will qualify for the playoffs, um, and then you've got quarterfinals, semifinals, conference final, and then the two conference winners would play off then the USL Cup final. So. I actually like the thought of that, you know, because it reminds me a wee bit of home, to be honest with you. You've got the league format, although the league and the championships not linked in Gaelic football. Um, you've got the league and the, and the championship format. And then if you do sort of achieve um, your goals and you get to the playoffs, it becomes knockout football. Um, and that's something that I'm very used to uh, in terms of Gaelic football. And so I would sort of relish that if you're in a position to... To be in that topic.
0: Looking at the website and looking at the current roster, there were seven players there and you're talking about that process of, of signing players over the next couple of weeks in time for pre-season and you've worked as a coach for six, seven years now and you've built your way up and you're getting your qualifications and I'd imagine you're looking forward to getting on the training pitch. This side of it though, the business side of it, how steep a learning curve has it been over the last couple of weeks?
1: Uh, I suppose it's like anything, you know, you get into a new job and there's 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 a lot of moving parts, you know. But I think to be honest with you, I mean in, in, in Celtic, uh the office was open plan, you'd all the, the coaches and the first team coaches and the reserve coaches in the one in the one room if you like, in an open plan thing and a lot of the conversations would be happening in, in, in that office and you know, whether it was Neil Lennon or, or Ronnie or Brendan. Um, you 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 are exposed to a lot of sort of the the workings of how things happen and so uh you know players coming in players coming out deals and how they can be done and how can they can be structured and everything these are just conversations that are going on all the time and people walking in the door and agents and players and so from that point of view it's not something that's sort of you know that I'm alien to um I think uh, Celtic is a very very big club and um, and the the way they do their business there is at a very high level and so um, I think in terms of uh, schooling I think I've got a very good education um, in terms of my time at Celtic
0: Mm, Because it is, there's no doubt, a a pretty unique conversion from coaching a Gaelic football team to coaching a soccer team. And people ask questions about that. I know, Kev, even you were talking about it before, of going into a totally different sport and the skill set that's needed from one to the other. Do you feel fully at home now at a soccer club?
1: Probably not, because I haven't started yet uh, in terms of you know being out on the pitch. But I, I, I would also say that I probably had the same feelings You know, the couple of weeks before I started with Donegal. It's the, it's the exact same uh, dynamics in many respects. You've got uh, your own style, your own vision, what you want to do, what you want to achieve. You've got to bring a group of players together, and that's the most important thing in, the, in any sport, the group of people that you want to try and bring together to move the football club forward or to move the county forward. And then it's up to you then and your coaching staff to sell that vision uh, and then obviously to start work on that on, on a daily basis so the dynamics for me are, are exactly the same it's just about working through those processes and um, and having people there as I said earlier that, that, that want to be there that want to work hard and sort of you know we're here for a three year contract and you're going to bring guys in you know to work with you and for me one of the most important things Obviously, the culture is number one, and so if you bring people into that culture, um, it's their job, you know, and they're doing it every day of the week. And so, it's, for me, it's really important that when they're there, that they're happy, that they're content, that they have fun. You know, And in and Donegal, we had a lot of blaggards in Donegal, and we had a lot of uh, practical joking and everything else went on. Sometimes that wasn't what was portrayed in the media, but that's the group that we had, and and, uh, and I think that's very important. I think it's really important to... You know, if it's going to be your job and you're going to be there every day, that that, that you really enjoy being there and working hard. And then I suppose on the dynamic side of things, for me, it's important not to have too big of a uh, uh, squad and just have people there that know that they're very important to the overall group, that everybody's going to be used, everybody's going to play a part. And um and that um you know you're not sort of on match day when you take your eighteen away, that you're not leaving ten people behind you, you know, five or six of us are very disgruntled. I think it's important to have players that can play in a few positions and so that you won't normally sort of go outside of that eighteen. But if you do, you've got people there that can step in, maybe younger guys that are on a development curve that you know, that if they get any taste of it at all, they're they're really happy uh, and they feel that they're moving forward and they're in a culture and an environment that's moving them forward anyway. So these are the things that are, are, I suppose, are management decisions. Everybody will have a different take on that, um, but for me, those things would be very, very important.
2: Yeah, Jim, Nathan, Nathan spoke about me before. I, I'd spoke about you maybe a couple of years ago now when you'd first uh, gone into into coaching soccer. But uh, I think my reservations would have been about it initially. Would have been about you, the acceptance, I think, initially. And so many coaches that I've that, that, I, that if I think of them off the top of my head, someone like Chris Shoot, who had worked within a structure for 10, 15 years before he. He decided to take the top job. So was it always in your mindset to think, well, look, I'm going to build a coaching team around me. I'm going to have that top job. Or did you want to actually immerse yourself in, in, in the game first and foremost before you actually took a top job on?
1: Yeah, no, it's a good a good question, Kevin. No, I think I think really, you know, I was very conscientious when I went to Celtic, you know, that I was that novice and sort of that I didn't have that experience. I had no experience of the culture. You know, Kevin, you were reared in that culture and things that you would take for granted. Uh, I was learning when I went to Celtic, if that makes sense. And I suppose Mm -hmm. it would be reversed in terms of Gaelic football, just things you'd be at a game and you'd be shaking your head at. And, and, you know, because it's just second nature to you, you know, so there was a huge learning curve in terms of that. And I'm sure there'll be a huge learning curve for myself this year as well in terms of the first season. But I had that with Tony Gall as well. It was... 2011 was a massive learning curve in terms of management and, and what was involved in management. Um, but you're right in terms of the cultural stuff. It is a different game. Um, the, the dynamics of the game and how guys operate and how guys think. And obviously, it's their livelihood. And, you know, so, um, you know, that that kind of serious implications when things are not going well for players, as you well know. And so all these mm-hmm. things um, are, were new to me, going into the culture. And so it was important for me just to get uh, a grip of that as quickly as possible. And for me, the best way through that was observation through the, the psychological role that I had and then obviously the coaching badges, which uh, the FEI were fantastic with. And I started at the very, very bottom rung of the ladder and we kickstart one, a one-day course, and then the two, and then the youth start, the UFAB, B, the UFA, And I'm actually back in Ireland on Monday for five days for my pro licence that starts. Um, and so, um, so, yeah, it's been... It's been sort of my own personal experiences in terms of the game since 2012, and then obviously the the, um, the coach education side of it as well, and, and both of them sort of went hand in hand. And also the guys that I've been, you know, lucky to work with, you know, Le- Neil Lennon and, and Ronnie and Brendan Rogers and and Roger Smith and Nathan spoke earlier there, you know, about about you know common themes in terms of pressing and the way the game has gone now and mm. how modern, you know. Modern approach and stuff, but Roger Smith sort of, you know, blew my mind away to an extent when I went to Beijing. In terms of just the heat out there in the summer was absolutely phenomenal, and still the level of intensity that the players were able to bring to the game um, was 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 something that I hadn't seen before. You know, so there's a, it's all learning, and um, and um, for me that's what I hope to continue to do um, is to continue me learning, and um, and hopefully in the process. Uh, won as many games
2: as possible. What about the mentality on, on, on a GAA player to to, to the football as the soccer boys? I, I'm friendly enough with, the, with a good few of the GAA lads and they continuously call off uh, soft soccer lads and to an extent, that's prob- they're probably right to an extent. I, would, I probably wouldn't disagree with a certain amount of it, but how have you found the difference in mentality and and maybe even the toughness and the, maybe the, pre- the preparation and the willingness to work as well? Have you found any difference between, between the two? No,
1: I- Listen, I think it's got to do with sort of the type of player that you're after. I mean, you know, if you look at Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool at the moment, like he doesn't really play with the, with a number 10. You know, he plays with hard-working strikers, wingers that can press the game, uh, that can take the game to the opposition and stuff, you know. And so uh, another guy would, would want a striker and a, and a very sort of... Uh, creative number 10 behind that. It's a different manager. It's a different player. You know, so, you know, that that manager probably won't expect the level, uh, you know, against the ball the number 10 is going to give him so a lot of it's down to philosophy and if you're a guy that just wants really good players on the pitch then maybe you're going to have to sacrifice in terms of work rate in some, some areas and if you're a guy that like Jürgen Klopp and a lot like Pochettino and a lot of these guys that sort of demand this level regardless and, and, and Roger Smith and Beijing um, you know, then you've got to recruit for that. And so it just really depends how you see the game yourself and then obviously mm. going out to try and um to recruit people that can do that job for you. And if you're recruiting people, as I said earlier, you know, people that can do it and I think most players can do it um versus people that want to do it. And I think for me when I was managing Donegal and when I was trying to recruit players in Donegal I remember going to a match and David Walsh, who was playing with a Division Three team, and Johnny Gall. I remember seeing him in, the ga- in a game uh, before I took over, and and they were getting absolutely annihilated in a Championship match. He was still running himself into the ground. and I remember just standing, at, you know, at the game, just thinking that's that's the type of person I want. And and he had a, a huge impact on our squad. You know, um, starting and coming off the bench, and when he came off the bench every day, you knew what you were getting, if that makes sense. And so, um, you know and honest with you a lot of this is just down to people and i think mm. you know whether it's whether it's basketball or, or football or soccer or Gaelic, whatever it is people are people and um, and you know they want to feel that they're part of something that uh, you know that they they add value uh, self value self worth and if, if you can get those things high and people to buy into the culture then i think a lot of the things in the pitch take care of themselves if the culture is pure um, and people know that you know the that the demands are not there from the coach, then that's the way they're going to operate. And I think, to be fair, okay. legal, that's the way it was for a long, long time. So, so yeah, you know, uh, I'd like to think that we will bring people in with the right mentality and I'd like to think we will try and create a culture that's very hardworking, but that's where everybody feels uh, valued and respected.
0: Charlotte is a is a good sporting city. It has the Carolina Panthers. There's an NBA team there as well. And I, I have seen that they've got big crowds to some of the games in that International Champions Cup. When Liverpool have been over, when Borussia Dortmund have been there, they've got forty five, fifty thousand people. So there is obviously an interest in football. But from your from your short time there, have you got a got a sense of of what this team and what this club can become?
1: Well, that that, that that's the whole thing, Nathan. Really, you know, I mean, there's a short term play and there's a longer term play, and I think for the club. Um, they move into a stadium and two seasons from now a, a new stadium that the city's building for them a $35 million stadium Memorial Park that will become soccer specific stadium or soccer first stadium I think they're calling it and so, um, and so the club's very focused on that and trying to move towards that and, and build towards that and if we can get success in the pitch to match sort of the ambition in terms of um, you know the development of the pitch these are all things that are sort of pointers and and markers in the sand for for the likes of the MLS that sort of require a specific type of stadia, you know, access to to a downtown location. Um, Years ago, I think the whole thing was about, you know, the soccer in America was about suburbia and it was about families. And I think that has changed significantly over the last number of years. And now that the MLS realize that it's it's more about millennials and it's more about people that live in cities, it's more about the 18 to 40 bracket and uh, people that want to want to jump on a tram or a train and just walk uh, to the stadium and have a beer or a bite on the way home. And it's, it's more about sort of the, the overall experience of it. Um, and so you see a lot of the stadiums that were outside the cities for a good reason initially moving to downtown locations. Like in here in Charlotte, the, the baseball team, I think it's the Knights, the minor league baseball team, they're in a very similar situation to ourselves. They were 20, 22 minutes out of the city. They moved to a downtown location a number of years ago there and it uh, increased their attendance by a multiple of nine. So uh, that's what the intention is within the club to get to that downtown location, uh, tap into that sort of uh, millennials and the families, of course. But I think the accessibility to, for people is very, very important. And then, and then when you start hitting them higher numbers, you can maybe knock on people's door and say, you know, this, this city, this city has the the capacity and the infrastructure to to go to MLS.
0: Just before we let you go, like football for a long time was probably seen as, as a little bit of a closed shot but you look at somebody now like Jose Mourinho with very little playing background who was able to get all the way to the very top of the game. You've always come across as a very, very ambitious character. I'd imagine you feel that the sky's the limit with this over the next 10, 20 years?
1: I think absolutely the opposite. I think there's a ceiling in everything <laughs> and you've got to break you've got to break through that ceiling. And for me, uh my first job, you know, is to get the people in first of all. The next job then is to sort of, you know, work on the training pitch and get the, the team working to the way you want and then the next thing is to be really, really competitive in games and I think, you know, it doesn't matter what your job is, whether you're a broadcaster or a manager or a teacher or anything else, you know, you get you get Sort of comfortable in your environment, and when you get comfortable in your environment, you try and push yourself and stretch yourself again and move into a new space, and then hope that you get comfortable in that space and you move again. And we, we spoke a lot about that, you know, in terms of Donegal. And I knew that we couldn't win the All Ireland if we didn't win an Ulster Championship. How can you say we're the best in the country if you're not the best in your own province? And so we had to prove to ourselves that we were going to be able to go into that space, be competitive in that space, and and then win ultimately in that space. And once you do that, you know, the emotional connection with what you're doing and the people around you and everything creates that new space anyway, just... Subliminally, and then you're you're automatically the following season you're you're the reigning champions and you're you've created a new space for yourself anyway and then it's about trying to retain that and going and going for bigger goals and so I think that's that's the same for any job for any person in the world it's about sort of being comfortable in your environment and then stretching yourself and opening up and going again and I think that's a big part of the manager's job as well like I mean and probably connected a bit with what Kevin was speaking about earlier, about the mentality of the soccer players and stuff, you know, I think one of the biggest things is to be able to look fellas in the eyes and say, what the bloody hell do you want to do here? Like, you're going to be here for a couple of years, what's this about? Do you you want to come in and train and see how this goes, or do you want to set a very high bar here, be part of something special that you're going to remember in 20 years' time, and pick up a phone and talk to a guy and, and be able to have that connection for the rest of your life? Because you sort of were through the arduous part of the training and that brought out the best in you and then as a result when when things were going wrong and tight games that you were actually able to hold on to something very, very uh, precious to you because you've worked hard to put yourself in that position. And so I think that, you know, nobody likes hard work but I think whenever you are worked hard and you know that you are working hard and you're looking at your teammates and they're in the same space... You're living and, and you're part of something bigger than yourself. And for me, that's the type of questions I feel I need to be asking the players. You know, why are you here? What do you want to achieve? How are we going to go about this? And, and sort of setting the boundaries around that to make sure that we're being true to ourselves. And there's an honesty in the group. And that we get the best out of ourselves. And if you get the best out of yourself and we don't make the playoffs, I I won't be sad. I'll be disappointed it doesn't happen. But the reality is that will be our level. And then we'll have to try and find a way to move up from there the following year. And so, you know, once you've given everything, there's nothing left to give. And I think for me as a manager, that's really important and really important to try and get the guys thinking that
2: way. What's the ultimate goal then for yourself then, Jim? Would it be to... Come back to Europe? Would it be to come back to England, Scotland, or even League of Ireland? The top job within the FEI. What, what what would your ultimate goal be then?
1: I think the ultimate goal would just be comfortable in this space. And if I'm comfortable in this space, and I feel that I can move up, whether it's move up, you know, into MLS or uh, here in, in America, um, and become comfortable there, and then move back to Europe. You know, that would be that would be sort of clear in everybody's mind. You know, that you'd want to sort of move and and get comfortable and move and get comfortable and move as many times as possible, you know. But I'm very aware of the fact that, you know, a lot of people have gone before me that have played much more uh, football than me and uh, and at international level, and that hasn't happened. And so it's a very, very tough environment. and um, There's no doubt about that. Some phenomenal players haven't uh, managed to to break into management. And as you said earlier, plenty of other guys who didn't have the background have been able to. So it's just about... You know, I don't. I don't know, to be honest, and I can't answer that question. All I can say is, the space that I'm in at the moment. I'm really working hard to try and uh, make the best of that. And if I can make the best of that, then uh, my intention would be to move to the next level and continue on that journey until you do hit the ceiling. <laughs> you know, and it mightn't happen here, and people will go, "Well, listen, he was a GA manager. It was never going to happen, was it?" You know, and that would be an easy one. But uh, for me, uh, I'm not worried about that. I'm not thinking about that. I'm just thinking about um, the next number of months and getting the most out of those players and getting the guys in the door that hopefully will make a difference.
0: When's the first game?
1: first game is Paddy's weekend, believe it or not. And I got a phone call over the Christmas uh, from an R drama man to say that there was going to be, a, if not a couple of coach shows, maybe a charter flight from New York coming down for the first game. And once he right. heard it was Paddy's weekend, he right. was doubly happy. And the game is on the Friday night, so I think they're actually, the club are actually going to call it St. Practice um, so it'll get people into the right, <laughs> the right mindset for the weekend ahead um, and so we're hoping that there'll be uh, a very big turnout and I have to say that the Irish community have been absolutely fantastic with myself and the family since we've arrived and they just can't do enough to be honest with you and on every level whether it's schools or business or everything you could imagine they're, they're there and they're trying to help us as best they can so it's very, very much appreciated.
0: Jim, best of luck with it. We'll check in once the season gets underway.
1: Okay, thank for you. Thanks a lot, Bye, guys. Off the ball. Find us on Twitter
2: at Off the Ball.
1: News Talk 106 to 108.